You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn, and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression, issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. The following is an encore presentation of Issues Etc. Final stanza of the hymn, Stars of the morning so gloriously bright, Let them still aid us, and still let them fight, Lord of angelic hosts battling for right, Till where their anthems they ceaselessly pour, We with the angels may bow and adore. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Friday afternoon, September the 24th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to spend our first hour talking about those angels that attend us, in particular, St. Michael and All Angels with Pastor Will Whedon. They are observed by the church on September 29th. And an hour from now, Pastor David Peterson will join us as we look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, discussing the healing of a man on the Sabbath and the parable of the wedding feast in Luke chapter 14. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, He formerly served as Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Joy to be with you. Angels, while if you look at the grand sweep of human history, a rather rare occurrence in their appearing in the Bible as it kind of compresses history, play a pretty big role from the very beginning. Yeah, I feel like you don't get very far in the Bible before you start bumping into these angels, and they're of all different kinds. They're like this sort and that sort. They're so bewildering, a variety of of, of of angels, but they do seem to obviously come, and we find this right in the Bible at the very start too, in two basic flavors. They're either good angels or the evil angels. Since the sad fall of our race into the grip of the evil angels, the evidence of that's all around you, man. You just got to open up your Facebook feed or read the latest Drudge Report or watch CNN or Fox for a bit. Uh, You might even try the gutsy approach and look into your own heart. (laughs) As I was saying, though, since the fall of our race, we kind of freak out at the good angels. We find them frightening. And yet today, we simply pause to think about this whole invisible world that the Bible reveals to be swirling around us nonstop, sort of insensible to us most of the time, and yet very much a part of the whole story. And so the church sets aside the day for the angels, St. Michael's. So we should call this St. Michael's and all the good angels, because <laughs> right. we are most certainly not remembering the demons. Right, right, right. 
Uh, we might note that uh, historically this thing is is pretty ancient. Feasts in honor of angels developed particularly in the eastern half of the uh, Roman Empire. And after the time of Constantine, there were lots of churches dedicated in honor of St. Michael, who is the only archangel explicitly so designated in Scripture. By tradition, though, Gabriel and Raphael are also considered archangels. Gabriel is the only other angel mentioned by name in the canonical Scriptures. Like I said, the Apocrypha does name Raphael also Uriel. September 29th was a date of dedication in the 5th century of this you know, small basilica church on the Via Salaria, six miles outside of Rome. And it was so that was the first church in Italy to be dedicated in honor of Michael. And from that dedication of that church of St. Michael's, from that, the feast began to spread and people began to sort of say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. We need to stop at least once a year and think about the whole thing that the Bible reveals to us about angels and, and give thanks to him for it. By, I think it was 813, the Council of Mines had introduced this thing throughout the Western lands. And you can see how popular St. Michael's is by how many churches across the centuries have borne that name. And Lutherans uh, certainly continue to use it a lot, too. It is interesting to me that the and all angels was sort of added at the time of the Reformation by the Anglicans. And I think it was because the Lutherans took the festival and the way they adapted it, they wanted to use it as this day to preach on the truth of sacred scripture about the holy angels. So they are, just for a quick definition, they are created beings— they are not eternal in the same sense that God is eternal. Right. They are not gods in any sense whatsoever, but ministers or servants of God. But unlike us, they are incorporeal beings that dwell in a realm that our human eyes ordinarily cannot perceive. Right. That's a good way of putting it. We certainly want to get rid of the idea that they're omnipresent. They're not. They're not omniscient. They don't know everything. The devil's pretty smart. He's been around and looking at things for a long time. The holy angels are pretty smart too. They've been observing for a long time. But we also have to know that the scriptures reveal their things that they still don't get. They long to look into the stuff that the church reveals by her preaching. They 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 attentively, I love that picture, you know, where the church assembles and the word of God is being preached. The angels are listening attentively. They're actually celebrating along with us. And so I thought that for our work today, we would just sort of run through the liturgy that's assigned for the day of St. Michael and all angels and beginning then with the intro, which is the first liturgical piece of the day. So take us into that, if you would. Sure. It starts out with an antiphon from Psalm 103, verses 20 to 21. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. And then Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So the first thing you notice is that the liturgy of the day begins by speaking to the angels and cheerleading them on in their praise of God. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, you angels, you angels that excel in strength and do God's commandments, you angels that listen to the voice of his word, which tells you you're talking about the good angels, not the evil angels who rebel against the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all ye his hosts. And that reminds us that the angels constitute an army. 
Um, we'll also be reminded before we're done, they constitute choirs, but they constitute an army that fight for the Lord. And uh, we'll see that as we work our way through the reading, especially the uh, second reading for today. And then bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, says, hey, when I'm thanking God and blessing God's name, I should remember to bless him especially for this gift that he gives his holy angels charge of his people. All right, that brings us to, I believe, the Old Testament reading reporting for this feast. Yeah, let's just at least bridge to it with noting that when we sing the Gloria Patri, we're singing with the angels. When we sing the Kyrie and the Greater Gloria, which is the angel song from Christmas Eve, we're just riffing on a hymn from the angels. And so the idea that we are always singing with the angels is a beautiful thing. I would like to pick up the collect for the day. It's an ancient one. It's Gregorian uh, from the so-called Gregorian Sacramentary, slightly adopted by the Book of Common Prayer. O everlasting God, who hast ordained and constituted the services of angels and men in a wonderful order. Mercifully grant that as thy holy angels always do thee service in heaven, so by thy appointment they may succor and defend us on earth. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. That is actually the basis, I think, for the hymn we're going to look at a little later from Philip Melanchthon. That's the hymn of the day for this day that by God's appointment, the angels actually are doing their work. They serve God in heaven, and they comfort and defend us here on earth. So on to the readings, like you said. This is one of those weird readings. It's actually it skips an entire chapter in between. It picks up with Daniel 10, verses 10 to 14, and then it jumps to Daniel 12, verses 1 to 3. This is how it reads. And behold, a hand touched me, this is Daniel, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to speak to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have Come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And then skipping ahead to uh, Daniel 12, verses 1 to 3. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the skies above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Okay, so as we work our way through that, let's note that even the Lord's holy prophets, a holy man like Daniel, right? Even he was one who found the holy angels to be frightening. So when he's in that room and suddenly feels the angel's hand touching him, 
He drops down, trembling on his hands and his knees. But the angel wasn't sent to scare him. As usual, these good angels are sent with good news. I mean, oi angelon. You can hear it. I mean, good news, gospel. It, the, 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 the word angel is built right into good news, to, to the gospel itself. Hence, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, fear not. The good news the angel brings is more than a tad mysterious. Todd, I don't know about you, but I sure can't make heads or tails out of human warfare. And so uh, when it comes to angelic warfare, I'm just like, I'm really glad the Lord revealed this to us and that these mighty critters are on our side, but I'm never going to get this figured out. So the very least we can say here, and we should probably say no more because it would be sheer speculation to go beyond what is there on the page that it appears that in some sense the nations of the world at the time of Daniel have both demonic allies and angelic enemies or angelic allies and demonic enemies. Yeah. I think and there's that- some kind of war going on that we only get a glimpse into here. Yeah. I think that's exactly what we have to say based on the way that Daniel described it here to us, or the angel described it to Daniel. I'm sure Daniel was sitting there going, the prince of, what, who? <laughs> he was probably, uh, you know, as puzzled as we are by this whole description. I think it doesn't matter if we get the details or not, if we haven't got a clue to how it relates what's going on in this world. There is still this that we know. And this is the message to Daniel. God hasn't left you alone. Though the angels scare the daylights out of us because of our sinfulness, the good angels are actually there fighting for us. They are martial beings. They are at war. And that battle has been going on for ages, and it's going to go on until that joyous moment, which uh, is foretold in Daniel, when that time of trouble comes and God's people, all whose names are written in the book, will be delivered, they'll waken up from the dust, multitudes upon multitudes standing alive again upon the earth. And for some, it's going to be an awakening for what they hoped and longed and prayed for and waited for. They're going to rise to everlasting life and they're going to begin shining like the very stars of the sky. But for others, it's going to be an awakening to shame and contempt, everlasting contempt. till that day of the great division arrives, you got these angel hosts who are doing their battle right alongside of us and in fact battling for us at God's own command, battling to have us join them in their choir, singing praises to the Holy Trinity and finding that to be joy eternal. We're talking with Pastor Will Whedon about St. Michael and all angels observed by the church on the 29th of September. On the other side, we learn first about Michael that he is in the soldier's role. He's in charge of God's armies. You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn, and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, 
and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression, issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. The Faith, Once for All, Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Pumpkin spice flavored everything is in the air. It's the perfect time of year to curl up with a nice warm beverage using one of Ad Crucem's mugs, featuring your favorite Lutheran symbols, Bible verses, or Christian humor. For example, Jesus' personality type is INRI. St. Paul is the patron saint of the run-on sentence. And of course, chancel culture is practiced here. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. The Biblical Worldview Conference is Saturday, November 4th in Chicago. This year's theme is, For Such a Time as This, Discernment, Boldness, and Compassion. Brian Wolfmiller, John Bombaro, and others will be speaking on gender-solid parenting, wokeism in schools, transgender pronouns, and sharing Christ in a woke culture. For more information, visit worldviewchicago.org. The Biblical Worldview Conference, November 4th in Chicago, worldviewchicago.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're remembering St. Michael and all angels. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest, host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Next week, Pastor Whedon will be teaching on Jesus feeding the 4,000, the Pharisees demanding a sign, the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod, Jesus healing a blind man at Bethsaida, Peter confessing Jesus as the Christ, Jesus foretelling his death and resurrection, and the transfiguration in Mark chapters 8 and 9. You can listen anytime, anywhere at thewordendures.org and on your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, in this Daniel passage, we first meet Michael, but he's playing this soldier role. He's in charge of God's armies. Yes, he seems to be the one who is leading the charge of of the armies of God, which is interesting. Order is built into God's very universe. And, uh, you know, there is sometimes today a strong fight against the idea that there is hierarchy. But hierarchy is actually reflective of the way God made the world and certainly the way he made the angels. Could we comment briefly on his name? His name. I was going to just mention that too. Michael means who is like God. And so his very name directs away from himself to the God that he is serving. And everything he's doing aims in that direction. It's not that you celebrate Michael. It's Michael wants to keep you from doing anything but celebrating the one who is God. Who is like God? I mean, who is a God like this? Amazing uh, joy in the Lord. Psalm 91 plays a part in this liturgy. Yeah, the gradual for the day. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Familiar words, remember, when Satan actually picked that up and tried to use it to trip up Jesus. But instead of 
it being satanic here, we have the entire quote. Satan leaves out part of it. He leaves out in all your ways. And then we have the exhortation from Psalm 103, verse 1 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It's just the liturgy keeps coming back over and over again on the day of St. Michael's to thank God that, man, thank you for, for giving these angels command to watch over us and to guard us in all the ways that you send us to go. Thank you for that. I want to bless you for that with all my soul. Beautiful. What do we find in the epistle reading from Revelation chapter 12? This is, of course, the core text for St. Michael and all angels. Usually we think of the gospel reading as setting the, you know, being the foundational passage, but this is the foundational passage for this day. Revelation 12, 7 to 12, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So there's Michael again. And let's be honest, it's not much clearer what all is happening this time. This much is clear. Michael shows Satan and his angels, what we would call the demons, the door. He can no longer pull off what you see him doing in Job or in Zechariah, where he stands in the presence of God and accuses people for their sin before God. Instead, God's saints have conquered him, this accuser, by the blood of the lamb. That's very tightly tied in with Michael being able to cast him out because the blood of the lamb is what enables the accuser to have no standing in the presence of God himself. And remember, whenever you come across something like the blood of the lamb, don't go platonic. This is actual blood. You know, the people hearing this would have gone, oh yeah, the contents of the chalice, what he actually gives us. There can be no accusation against those who share the blood of Christ in saving faith. This is the blood that blots out the sin of the entire world. Anything Satan could ever hurl at you. So, As you testify to the power of the blood to blot out sin and to deliver you forgiveness, you join in the rejoicing of the heavens, even as you're walking here on earth, where the old serpent still lays his snares, he still seeks to pull you into his thankless, bitter, and empty existence. He seeks to pull you out of the angel choirs and bring you back down into his wrath and fury, and he invites you to be like him. He wants you to be an accuser of your brethren. If you're angry all the time, if you're always criticizing and always finding fault, and if you're always kind of grumpy and miserable, hey, it's a good warning sign that the devil's digging in deep. 
That's not the Lord's way. His is the path of joy, singing Alleluia with the angels, which leads us to the next piece of the liturgy, the Alleluia. Can we do that one? Sure. Well, it might sound really familiar because we just heard part of it. Alleluia, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Alleluia. Rather than clinging to earthly life, celebrating the martyrs who just were like, if I have the blood of Jesus, I have everything I need. I don't even need earthly life. This blood will deliver to me the life that has no end. I said Revelation was sort of the key passage, and that's shown by the fact that the Alleluia verse actually looks backwards rather than forwards to the gospel. Now, there's two readings provided for us in our liturgy, and I'd like to briefly comment on each one. On Matthew 18, I don't want to read the whole thing, but the reason it was chosen for this day was that it ends up at verses 10 and 11 with, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, Jesus said, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. All right, Todd, you know, you know how easy it is to look down on the little ones. I just left a house full of them. I love them dearly. But you know that they can be a little tiring after a little bit, right? You know, (laughs) noisy, smelly, needy, and way too energetic by half. And we grown up sigh and we put up with them and we think we've done a great thing. Like we think we're the big cheese and we're what it's all about. And they're but an addendum to our lives. Jesus shows us, man, you got it all backwards. He plants that dirty street urchin right smack in the middle of his quarreling disciples. And he goes, you really want to be great, huh? You want to be great. You need to become like this. Pointing to the little one whose attention probably had already drifted away and is eager to get back to his hard work of playing. In fact, Jesus says, as he lets the lad run off again, that's the only way into the kingdom. You got to become one of those little ones. That's the path to greatness. And you can see the utterly perplexed look on the disciples' faces. And we understand their perplexity because we too stumble over what Jesus is saying here. But he's got more. You know, I mean, he mentions, I didn't read these verses, but I mean, anyone who causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, literally to stumble in their faith, better to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and be cast into the sea. The little ones are serious business to him. Those who cause them to fall, to fall away from him because of sin, well, no one will want to face him on that day if a little one is lost due to us, due to what we've done or what we've failed to do. Better lose hand, foot, eye, anything, rather than face him on that day as the cause of having one of his little ones left him. So he warns, Don't despise these little ones. Don't you look down on them. Don't you dare think they're unimportant. They are most important. And if you don't think they're worth bothering about, he says, I sure do. I've given my angels charge over them. Their angels, their angels, the angels assigned to them, always behold the face of my father who is in heaven. See, I care a lot about them. I care about them. And so angels... Angels sent forth by the Son of Man who came to seek and save the lost. Angels who are concerned about the Lord's little ones. If you want to have an angel concerned about you, you better be one of the Lord's little ones too. I mean, that's just, it's a stunning gospel for that. And it's the foundation for our little evening and morning prayer, right? Let thy holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. I wanted to to make that connection there from Luther's prayer that, he is mindful of 
his need for this protection, and that, as Luther always is, mindful of the means by which God provides that protection. And so he makes that request. He knows that it is indeed God who protects us, but he does it through his means, this means being the angels. Yeah, and and what he does in anchoring that thought morning and evening. I was really impressed as I worked my way through the Lutheran Prayer Companion, which I hope we'll be able to review soon. That thing over and over again in the prayers stops and thanks God for the protection of the holy angels every morning. Oh Lord, thank you that your angels watched over me during the night that no evil thing befell me. Thank you for the protection they have granted to me. And then for the day, Lord God, send your angels to guard over me and over all my family and over all this nation. And, you know, asking God's constant use of his holy angels in our lives. And I think that Luther kind of planted that consciousness inside of little Lutheran boys and girls with the catechism prayers that teach us very much every day to stop and remember, oh man, we've got angels watching over me, dear Lord, as the spiritual has it. The the, the little catechism prayers teach us that. There is an alternate gospel account that comes from Luke for the remembrance of St. Michael and all angels. We're remembering Michael and all angels with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. And we'll get to that Luke account next. Lutheran talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. Have you ever wondered about some of the more difficult topics or teachings of Scripture, such as what does the Bible say about polygamy or slavery or the free will, or what about law and gospel? The October issue of The Lutheran Witness is a twin to the August 2022 issue, and it takes up some of these difficult teachings of Scripture and explains them in detail. To get your copy, visit cph.org witness or the Lutheran Witness website witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Expert guests. Expansive topics. Extolling Christ. You're listening to Issues Etc. At Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Rockland, California, we keep the focus on Christ every Sunday with ancient liturgy, preaching from the lectionary, and celebration of the sacrament of the altar. Come be a part of the evangelical and Catholic faith as handed down to us in the Lutheran Confessions. We celebrate the divine service every Sunday at 8 o'clock and 10.30 with Sunday school for all ages at 9.15. To learn more, visit holycrossrockland.org. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.
Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. On this Friday, September the 24th, we're remembering St. Michael and All Angels with Pastor Will Whedon. Well, in addition to the gospel account we talked about before, there's also an alternate account from Luke. Right. The, the Lucan gospel for today is Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. The 72, whom Jesus had sent out, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So in this supplemental gospel, there is joy. The 72 that Jesus sent out to bring good news of the kingdom, to heal, to forgive. They come back to Jesus and they are freaking out that the demons are subject to them in Jesus' strong name. A name that maybe you utter lightly sometimes. Some people even use it as a curse, God forbid. Before that holy name, the demons cower. And do we dare foolishly treat it as a nothing? We need to repent. The disciples have joy, great joy, at the power that is in the name of Jesus. And Jesus rejoices with them. And he tells them that as they went forth, speaking his word, speaking his promises, driving the evil angels back and out of people's lives by the power of his name, he's been watching the whole time. And what he saw was nothing less than what was described in our second reading. He saw Satan fall out of heaven like lightning, suddenly struck down, unable to stand as the accuser of the brethren anymore. And Jesus had an even bigger gift. He says, behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now, what did he mean by that? I think if you think your way through it, serpents bite with their heads, scorpions with their tail. So over evil from start to finish, Jesus sets them free. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to suffer. You know that they did. Almost all of them, except for St. John, were martyred. But this was key. The suffering had no power anymore to pull them into the sphere of the enemy. So they could be beaten, whipped, sawn apart, burned at the stake, fed to the lions. None of it could destroy the life which they had in Jesus Christ. None of it. It couldn't make them hate the ones who were inflicting such pain and ill use upon them. And none of it would draw them back into the life of complaining and anger and frustration. Rather, they triumphed over every bit of it, singing with the angels a hymn of heavenly joy. As St. Paul would later say, they were more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's what they were able to do by Christ's great power. And as if that's not enough, even more, he says, and don't get worked up about that. I got a bigger gift for you yet. Take your joy from this. Your names are written in heaven. This, Todd, is the point at which I always remember my friend, Janet Engelke, and also my neighbor. She likes to remind me that years and years ago, I made some flip comment in Bible class that people don't write things down to remember them. They write them down so that they can forget them. She likes to remind me now that I'm 30 years older, I'm writing things down right and left so that I won't forget them. Well, this is Jesus' good news to the disciples. Your names are written down 
You're not going to be forgotten. Not long after your body is turned to dust, you're not going to be forgotten. Your heavenly father's going to remember you. He's going to summon you by name on that last joyous day. He's going to call you into his everlasting kingdom, body and soul, made new, made whole. That is a cause of overwhelming joy. You're remembered. That's what the whole name business is about. He put that name on you in baptism. He'll not be forgetting you. And while you sojourn here, today you celebrate that the Lord hauls out his book. He points to your name and he tells the angels, looky there. You see that one right there? That one is mine. I love him. I love her. Now you go guard and take care of them. Guard them, protect them, and you see that they safely get home where they can join the full-voiced and new resurrection bodies in the hymn of praise that does not end you and all the other angel hosts. In that vein, talk a bit about the angel choirs. Yeah, okay. So the, the hymn that usually is sung on this day is You Watchers and You Holy Ones that actually list out what's the traditional nine choirs of angels. And all that is is just people ransacking the scriptures for the different words used for angels. If you go to the hymn, You Watchers and You Holy Ones, Bright Seraphs, Cherubim, Thrones, Raise the glad strain, hallelujah. Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels. These constitute what are called the angel choirs. So if you go through, there's there's nine of them listed there. And together, they constitute this unseen world that's always praising and worshiping God. As Jesus said, seeing the face of my Father who is in heaven. And at the same time, because they see him constantly, they're able to serve and minister to us here on earth as well. We just might note that in the Nicene Creed, uh, we have this brief confession that God the Father, the Almighty, is the creator of all things visible and invisible. That's not talking about atoms. It's talking about the angels, the spirit beings whom we cannot see, but yet who very much are part of our world. Is it okay to go on to the hymn of the day? Yes. All right. The hymn of the day is written, as I said earlier, by Philip Melanchthon, one of the great Lutheran reformers, the author of the Augsburg Confession and the Apology to the Augsburg Confession and the Tractatus on the Primacy and Power of the Pope. And he actually does a beautiful job here of incorporating in a single hymn the entire scriptural doctrine of the angels. Let's work our way through this. It's in LSB number 522. Lord God, to thee we give all praise with grateful hearts and voices raise that angel hosts thou didst create around thy glorious throne to wait. So created beings, they are creatures just as we are creatures, but these glorious creatures are those who are waiting around the throne. And here they're described. They shine with light and heavenly grace and constantly behold thy face. We heard that right out of Matthew from Jesus' own voice there in Matthew 18. They heed thy voice. They know it well. In godly wisdom, they excel. So the mark of the angel is it's their delight to listen to what God commands and for them to carry out that command. And I think they do this even when they don't necessarily understand it all. They never rest nor sleep as we they're spirit beings. They don't have a body. They don't need to have a downtime. Like we have to have a time of rest. God made us that way. Their whole delight is but to be with thee, Lord Jesus, and to keep thy little flock, thy lambs and sheep. 
And I just want to stress that where Jesus, there are the angels. Go to the gospels and start checking it out. I mean, angel shows up already with Zechariah in the temple, with Mary in Nazareth. And then the angel speaks to Joseph, guiding in and out of Egypt. The angels are there all the way along when Jesus is baptized and then goes into the wilderness. He is served by the holy angels, right? They're there at his birth, of course. I left that out at his birth. They're there in the garden, remember? He's like, they're waiting. They strengthen him and they just need a word from him and they'll go to work. And yet they don't get that. He basically tells them, furl your wings and stand back. This I have to do. And then we see them announcing the resurrection, just like they announced the birth, they announced the resurrection and they're present at the ascension. So the entire life of Christ is woven around with the angels. And if you think it stops there, you pick up the book of Acts and start realizing that angels are very much involved throughout the entire ministry of the Lord Jesus to his flock. So as Melanchthon put it there, they love to keep his little flock, his lambs and sheep. Then the big battle, next verse, the ancient dragon is their foe. His envy and his wrath they know. It always is his aim and pride, thy Christian people to divide. Divide from each other, yes, but above all, to divide from Christ, right? Their goal, the, 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 the satanic angel's goal is to separate you from your Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they want above all. And they know there's no better way to do that than to set you against other people and to fill you with their own pride. Pride is the downfall of that evil spirit. He goes on about him a bit. As he, that is Satan, of old deceived the world and into sin and death has hurled, so now he subtly lies in wait to undermine both church and state. Now, he left out the home there, but Chemnitz is going to get to this in a little bit. We'll, we'll get this too. That in, in the three hierarchies, the, the world of church, the world of state, and the world of home, there's sort of like a satanic attack aimed at all of them. And so there is an angelic defense of all three of these orders, which these hierarchies, which God himself has established. He's described, of course, as this in First Peter, a roaring lion round he goes no halt nor rest he ever knows because like the good angels don't need sleep to guard and protect you. He doesn't need sleep. He can keep on attacking you. He seeks the Christians to devour and slay them by his dreadful power. How does Satan devour Christians? He, he wants to plant into you his same despairing anger, bitterness, hatement, resentment, everything that fills him, he wants to fill you. And the more that fills you, the less there is of you. It's how he is devouring you piece by piece. But against that, listen, but watchful is the angel band that follows Christ on every hand to guard his people where they go and break the counsel of the foe. So against the devil who's saying, you should really be angry with that person and you should never forgive them. By all means, you should hold that resentment in your heart and think about it all the time and, and don't ever give them a break ever again. Against that, the, you know, the angels themselves are like, and is that how your Savior Christ treated you? Is that how he deals with you? Let us go into the way of Christ. And then the last stanza, for this now and in days to be, our praise shall rise, O Lord, to thee whom all the angel hosts adore with grateful songs forevermore. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're remembering St. Michael and all angels. 
when we come back. There's another function that the angels have, and that is attending us in death. There are at least two ways to see the Messiah's presence in the Old Testament. The chief would be the Lord's messenger. Dr. Reed Lessing, co-author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. The second way we see the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament would be through God's glory. Learn more about the Messianic Message at issuesetc.org. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting lcms.org slash stewardship. Sacramental. Historical. Liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're discussing St. Michael and all angels. There are two other functions that I wanted to discuss with you here, Will. The first being taken from that famous parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where the angels carry Lazarus to Abraham's side after he dies. Can we say that Scripture teaches us that the angels attend us even in death? Yeah, I do think so. Uh, as we sing, you know, Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home that I may die in fearing. I think, though, the idea behind it is actually bigger than just, I mean, all of your life here is a dying. And so the angel's job sent out by God is get them safely here to me, bring them safely home. And so the angels accompany us all that way. It's not like they only come at the end. They do come at the end to bring your soul safely into the presence of Jesus, but they most certainly also accompany you as you live in this world. And finally, Jesus assures us many times that when he returns in glory, he returns in glory with all his angels. Mm -hmm. 
He, he is very adamant on that. He is not coming alone when that moment comes. He's going to be revealed in the glory. And when that glory is shown, it's going to be the glory of the holy angels gathered there. And in that moment, the angel choir and the earthly choir, the terrestrial choir and celestial choirs become one choir. As we join every knee and falling before Jesus and every tongue, angel and human, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And as we'll see before we're done, we need to deal with the words of the liturgy further on about how we actually get to have a participation in that, a foretaste of that feast that's coming. Well, that comes in the preface at the Lord's Supper where whatever the preface may be for the Sunday, it concludes the same way. Yeah, it swings back around. Before we get to it, though, can I give a little bit more of Chemnitz? I didn't sure. want to short shrift our great teacher here on this. I just want to read this little section. This is from his absolutely stunning Treatise on Angels. You can find it in the first volume of the uh, Loki Theologici. From antiquity, the church, for very good reason, has been divided, church year has been divided into certain festivals in order that the chief articles of Christian doctrine can be taught to the people in a definite order and inculcated by annual repetition. Thus, the festival of the holy angels has also been established. This was done first in order that there might be a time in which the doctrine of the angels might be publicly taught and repeated each year. I'm going to just pause for a second and note, Todd, that when you and I were growing up, you didn't have a lot of celebration of St. Michael's and all angels. And guess what you also didn't have a lot of? Cognizance of the angels, right? Uh, and, and those great words of the preface, the church that I actually began attending, they, they were never heard. They actually didn't read them. So I never heard that I was worshiping with angels and archangels each Sunday. I, I think your experience was different on that. And for that, glory be to God. Chemnitz goes on. Second, that in the regular church services, consideration might be given to the benefits bestowed on us all year through the mediation and protection of the angels. After all, in Psalm 34, verse 7, mention is made of the benefits we receive from them. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Third, this was done that we should give thanks to God who is offended by our sins and ingratitude and yet still does not take away from us the ministry and care of his holy angels. And fourth, it was done that we might pray that God would strengthen and preserve us evermore under the protection of the angels. For just as a certain day of the year was set aside for consideration of the exodus from Egypt so that it would never be forgotten, our ancestors instituted the same practice regarding the angels so that we should never overlook this doctrine and its benefits." Now, Chemnitz did add another important element to the celebration, and that was they also, as he said, refuted the papal nonsense. <laughs> and uh, that was the idea that in the year 380, there was established a worship cult of Michael with prayer, fasting, and masses in his honor, so that under the guise of antiquity, they might have some excuse for their notions. But if the battle must be fought by appeal to antiquity and the customs and prescriptions of time, then Paul says in Colossians 2.18 that the worship of angels is much more ancient, so that even in the time of the apostles, it was established by certain fanatics. What is even more remarkable is that John, who reclined on the breast of the Lord fell at the feet of the angel and was about to worship him out of carnal sense of devotion, Revelation 19, verse 10. But the angel replied, you must not do that, for I am a fellow servant of you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And even though he heard this from the angel himself, yet in Revelation 22, 8, he suffers a relapse and again tries to worship an angel. For as he thought, this can't be a sin. I mean, they're such glorious 
angels and spirits, and they ministered us in such a remarkable way. Thus he turns again to try to worship the angel, but again the angel replied, Don't do it! I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this prophecy. Worship God. So he notes, he was in this way a truly good angel, and thus you got to consider what kind of an angel it is who in the legends, which Rome tells, plainly seeks the opposite way to set up people falling down and worshiping before him. Oh, Chemnitz has got a lot of good stuff in there, but let it go for now. It's a great discussion. Note then that after the sermon, which the angels are attentively listening to, we, we arrive at this pinnacle of our worship and adoration with the heavenly choirs of angels before him who is going to come to us in his body and blood. And as you mentioned, Todd, the proper preface for the day. Interestingly, the, the preface that's assigned in our book for the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels is actually the old preface for any day at all. If there's not a preface assigned on another day, this is the preface that's supposed to be used. So listen, it's good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, your majesty is praised by all the holy angels and celebrated in one accord by the heavens and all the powers therein. The cherubim and seraphim sing your praise, and with them we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. So right away, the church teaches you here every single week. You get to worship and sing with the angels. When you come together on Sunday to sing the divine liturgy and to sing the hymns and to listen to the word of God, the church is like, don't forget the invisible folks. There's a lot more of them here than the visible ones. They're gathered here with us and we worship with them all the time. We get to sing with angel choirs and that finally is also where we're headed. And that's really about a walkthrough of the distinctive features of the liturgy for the Feast of St. Michael and all angels. So what are your final thoughts here? Why does the church remember Michael and all of God's holy angels and set aside a day in particular to do just that? Well, because there's more joy than we can begin to imagine as we thank the Lord for his angels and we pray that they do their work well and keep us with them in the Lord's huge choir and that they guard us from the accuser and his seductions. We remember that our names are written. You remember he's not going to forget you. You remember you got a spot. It's blood-bought. It's angel-guarded. And for all of that, you get to sing glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven you lift up your voice to God now and ever and to the ages of ages. It sweeps you up in doxology to God. You join with them. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. He hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio, called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Todd. Pastor Whedon has also written a column for the latest issues, etc. journal titled Vostate Das Geschrieben. That means, where is this written? If we hold to Scripture alone, this is the question we must continuously ask of every idea, every concept, 
Where is this written? You can read more in the Issues Etc. Journal absolutely free. Go to our website, issuesetc.org. Click the red subscription button and enter your email address, and we will send you the Issues Etc. Journal for free. Up next, we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, talking with Pastor David Peterson about Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath and the parable of the wedding feast in Luke chapter 14. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Join us September 29th at 7 p.m. for a hymn festival celebrating the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels at Good Shepherd Lutheran in Collinsville, Illinois. Hymn commentary will be provided by Pastor Will Whedon, host of the Word of the Lord Endures Forever podcast, along with organist Chris Lemker, orchestra, and choir. For more information or to register to sing in the choir, visit our website withangelsandarchangels.org.